With Long Island local news on Monday, July 31st, 2023, I'm Gianna Volpe on WLIWFM. New federal guidelines proposed by U.S. Senator Kirsten Gillibrand to regulate forever chemicals and hold polluters accountable could lead, she says, to cleaner drinking water on Long Island. Tara Smith reporting on Newsday.com that the proposal would require the EPA to limit uh, PFAS, a class of human-made chemicals, from seeping into waterways by placing limits on industrial discharge. The chemicals, which break down slowly in the environment, have been used in an array of products, including nonstick cookware, weatherproof clothing, waterproof mascara, and firefighting foam. Studies have shown that exposure to PFAS is linked to health issues such as cancer, liver disease, and low birth weight. Quote, companies that manufacture products containing PFAS often dump these chemicals right into the water, Gillibrand said at a news conference at the Quag Wildlife Refuge on Friday, announcing her legislation targeting the chemicals. Senator Gillibrand stated, quote, we should not have to worry about these toxins in our drinking water, end quote. Gillibrand's bill identifies eight priority industries, including organic chemicals, plastic and synthetic fibers, electroplating and metal, textile mills and landfills, leather tanning, paint formulating, and plastics molding and forming. The bill would set deadlines for the EPA to establish wastewater standards for those industries and require the agency to monitor three other industries, pulp paper and paperboard, airports and electronic components, to determine whether further limitations are necessary. In other news, planners, experts, and officials agree there is no sweeping solution that will suddenly make Long Island a more affordable place to live. There are too many challenges here. Limited land availability, restrictive zoning, a demand for high-quality services, among other issues. If leaders in Nassau and Suffolk don't step up, quote, the future will be like today, only worse. That's Martin Cantor, director of the Long Island Center for Socioeconomic Policy, quote, young people are leaving, businesses are leaving, we're in danger of losing our middle class, and we can't survive without a middle class. At the forefront is housing. Surprise, surprise. Craig Schneider reporting on Newsday.com that the east end of Long Island, long an enclave for wealthy celebrities, is in desperate need of housing for year-round residents at low and moderate incomes. Many who work in the local service industry simply cannot afford to live on the South Fork, so they commute hours to their jobs. That, according to Catherine Casey, executive director of the East Hampton Housing Authority, several projects featuring workforce housing have either been built or approved, such as the Three Mile Project in East Hampton, a 50-unit development that started construction last summer and should be done around the end of the year. She said the East Hampton Housing Authority and Georgica Green Ventures are developing the $33 million project. The state is providing $18 million in tax credits and a mix of state and federal funds, according to Casey. The East Hampton Housing Authority has built 180 units of affordable housing since 19. 93. And finally, National Night Out is observed annually on the first Tuesday in August, promoting police community partnerships and neighborhood while shining a spotlight on community police programs. It increases connections between those who serve and their neighborhoods through the programs they provide. And tomorrow, Tuesday, August 1st, from 4 to 7 p.m., uh, it looks like Southampton Town and Village Police Departments, New York State Police, Suffolk County District Attorney's Office, and other local officials will be present at Red Creek Park, Old Riverhead Road in Hampton Bays. Folks will be able to meet their local police officers, enjoy food, games, raffles, bounce house face painting, demonstrations, giveaways, and also do a child safety seat check. That's National Night Out tomorrow from 4 to 7 p.m. at Red Creek Park in Hampton Bays. Reading the weather in Kutchog in honor of Alex Paul Caponigro, joining us at the bottom of the hour with Elizabeth Ziff of Betty, joining us toward the top to promote a show tonight uh, of her bands here 
Uh, it looks like it's going to be at the Talk House. Looking like a sunny Monday with a high near 83 degrees in Kutchog. West wind around 9 miles per hour tonight. A 20% chance of showers before 11 p.m. Partly cloudy otherwise with a low around 63 degrees. Southwest wind 5 to 10 miles per hour becoming north after midnight. Right now it's 74 degrees. I'm Jenna Volpe. This is Nirvana. And you, whoever you are out there, you are awesome, and you're listening to Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM, news you can trust, music you love. I didn't screw it up, did I? <laughs> okay, but here's another one I could screw up. What is it? Am I gonna do this by myself? Yeah. What's next is the ink okay. spots. Well, I think I'll try it in a different key. I'll try it in the normal key. Dr. Dog and Marty Attridge on deck, ahead of John Paul Caponagro. Mm-hmm. 
WLIWFM. I don't want to set the world on fire. I just want to start a flame in your heart. In my heart I have but one desire, and that one is you, no other will. I've lost all ambition for worldly acclaim. I just want to be the one you love. And with your admission that you feel the same, I'll have reached the goal I'm dreaming of. Believe me, I don't want to set the world on fire. I just want to start a flame in your heart. I don't want to set the world on fire, honey. I love you too much. I just want to start a great big flame down in your heart. You see, way down inside of me, darling, I have only one desire, and that one desire is you, and I know nobody else ain't gonna do. I've lost all ambition for worldly acclaim. I just want to be the one you love And with your admission that you feel the same I'll have reached the goal I'm dreaming of Believe me, I don't want to set the world on fire I just want to start a flame in your heart. Oh, I love that track. And this one. I think I love everything I play for you. Here on WLIWFM.
Our featured local artist on the World Edition here on The Heart, Marty Attridge, The World Has Changed. Single from 2017 here on WLI WFM. Stay tuned for John Paul Caponigro. The world has changed, my love. Dreams we had are broken Angry words are spoken Cutting as they pass Sadly, it's kind of a perfect track to lead into our Monday meditation underwritten by Guild Hall of East Hampton. It's our Monday meditation. Um, if you missed this past weekend's glacial events at Alex Ferrone Gallery, uh, we're going to try to reclaim some of it by talking to John Paul Caponegro, one of the three artists, I believe, that are exhibiting right now through August 15th at Alex Ferrone Gallery. Good morning, John Paul. Thank you for being with us. Good morning. It is a good morning, isn't it? It beautiful is. It's absolutely beautiful. Mm. Uh, mm. It's it's a tough topic that we have yes. to talk about. Sure. Uh, I know that you are a photographer that seeks to connect folks with the natural world, and we love you for that. Uh, this is a way to connect folks with the natural world in uh Arguably one of the most important ways we can. Can you talk a little bit about your trip or trips to the Arctic and what you discovered there? Sure. Uh, I've been to both poles, uh, the Arctic and the Antarctic. I've spent a lot of time in Antarctica over the last 18 years, 13 voyages, and uh, just got back from my last one in uh, February. Oh, my gosh. So you said 13 voyages? Yeah. 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 As a kid, I watched my mother design Elliot Porter's book, Antarctica. I saw this 80-year-old go to the ends of the earth and come back at a time when there wasn't any tourism. He had a National Science Foundation grant to be able to go. And I wanted to go when he brought back these pictures that looked like another planet, but they were planet Earth. I'd wait 20 years, but um, I, I want to caution everyone for going to the poles because once you see the beauty, you'll be addicted and you'll want to go again. Right. The other thing that's so fascinating is they seem so remote, and yet they control climate, weather, they touch everyone. 
Jean-Paul, I just wanted to caution you. I'm getting a little bit of popping, so I don't know if you're you're moving around or or uh, anything, but just make sure you uh, stay still and take us off speaker if if we happen to be on it. Will do. We're not on speaker. Okay. And uh, I'll try and move only my hands. Yes. You know, Italians. Yes. You have to move the hands, it's but tough. maybe not the body. There we go. <laughs> there we go. All right. So we're we're it's already an improvement. This is like very uh, Mr. Popper's penguin but but in a very different way I, I imagine you had a a very close relationship with your mom do you want to tell us a little bit more about that relationship because that's that's fascinating uh that that inspired you with my mother yes yeah well she oversaw the production of many great books my father's Elliot porter's worked on uh alfred stegert's portrait of george o'keefe with miss o'keefe and unbelievable um, we would often go into the backs of museums. We'd visit these people. You know, as a kid, I didn't know how other people looked at these. They were just folks doing interesting things. Right. Later, as I grew up, got older, I started to see people were looking at them a little differently. But I got a tremendous exposure to very different people doing really interesting things at very high levels. And uh, kind of got addicted to that. But Porter's, <laughs> Porter's book just stuck inside of you. It, it Was it a singular... Um, goal that you had, or was it? It just happened to be. How did how did it uh, evolve over those decades? Well, I think there were many things inside that dream. Um, in part, it was to be more like Elliot. And I, I read something that I wrote about that. I actually read a piece that I wrote about finding that book in the library in the back of the ship that we were sailing on. And at this point, Elliot had passed, but it felt like I was having a conversation with an old friend. And I remember being a teenager, where Elliot was this endlessly curious, bright, articulate thinker. Curiously, he had a hard time talking about art, but he would talk about politics and science and social policy. And he always challenged me to come up with my own opinions and ideas. And sometimes we would play devil's advocate just to get the thing going in a really interesting way. And I always appreciated that this octogenarian would take such an interest in a young person. I really felt it as a compliment, and I, I wanted to follow his example. So in part, it was not only to go to Antarctica, but to be more like Elliot and to hope that I was that vital and still traveling the earth and still endlessly curious and interested, also interested in future generations. Absolutely gorgeous images, uh, almost otherworldly. Yes, exactly. And actually, it's interesting. I make a lot of digital composites. I want to talk about the inside landscape, the inner landscape, not just the outer landscape. But in this case, Alex has selected all of the so-called straight or documentary images. Everything that's on the wall is um, just the way you see it, or at least the way I see what's out there, without that kind of um, addition. And yet it still looks like a dream. It still looks like another planet. And it's one of the things I absolutely love about that place. Can you talk a little bit about those additions, uh, the digital composites you mentioned? Sure. Um, I was tremendously influenced by Jerry Ulsman, kind of photography's uh, foremost surrealist. So he would take three, four photographs and make a surreal image that felt like you were looking at a dream very clearly. And that was always my goal as a painter as well, to be able to realize the images in my mind's eye and in my heart in clear detail, to get it from the inside out into the world, to be able to share it with other people, but also for me to be able to look at it and consider it uh, more closely. You know, you kind of, as you're working with the images, you come to understand not only the material you're working with, but yourself as well as you're moving through that process. It's always an art of discovery. Well, speaking of art, and we are very appreciative that you have a poetic part to your personality. And I wanted to ask about uh, the poetry exhibition, which I missed out on. I know Alex asked if I could contribute, and it, just too much going on. Personally, I wasn't able to make it out. Very much mourning that fact right now. Can you talk a little bit about uh, Back in the Barn on yesterday? Sure. Well, so first, this would be the first of um, more events to come, and I would recommend that people hop on Alex's website and sign up for her newsletter. She'll let folks know when new events are coming. She's got all kinds of interesting community outreaches here. Yes. She's really building a neat community as well as an, an art space. Yeah. I think she's got a world-class printmaker coming in and discussing things. It's a smaller space, so people need to just sort of reserve a seat, but they're all free. So yesterday we had... 
uh, Charles Riley, uh, director of the Nassau County Museum of Art, who's also an art critic. Uh, and we were talking about ekphrastic writing or writing in response to other other works of art like Keats' Ode to a Grecian Urn. We also had uh, Keming Liu. Uh, she translates Chinese poetry. Um, really fascinating process and she, just interesting to hear her curate contemporary Chinese poetry, all with a, an eye to the environment. Uh, and a lot of that is uh, how the Chinese landscape and relation to it has changed. Uh, we had artist Win Rea, who is uh, not only a 2D but also a 3D artist, and she read Wall Kummer's text from Braiding Sweetgrass and a couple of her own poems as well. Tremendous delivery of it. And then we had uh, scientists uh, Max Gotsman and Andy Marks. It was really interesting to hear from the medical and the scientific community come in and how many Scientists are looking towards artists and poets and are themselves artists and poets looking for that other way of discussing big ideas and important issues right. in a non-scientific fashion. You don't happen to have uh, something you might be able to share with us, do you? Um, You're not prepared. I'm, I don't know if I because have anything. On you. If you give me two seconds, I can do that, but we I have will. limited time. Do it, <laughs> I can yeah. say, do you, I could say you, that you can visit my website. Do you want and you can actually to, um, listen oh. listen to the poem that I read yesterday talking with Ellie Porter. Oh. It was published first in Drifting Sands, but I record audio recordings of many of my poems that are published and then post them on my website. We so love this. I am, yeah, I'm actually I'm on your website right now, so I may be able to do that. But actually, uh, I would love to ask you, since you've gone on 13 voyages and we, we've hardly talked about climate change, I'm curious what you've seen for its firsthand over the years. When was your first uh, voyage? 2005. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, we first, I always get that question, you know, right. have you seen climate change? And mm -hmm. I realize that Antarctica is uh, the fifth largest continent and I've seen just the tip of it the Antarctic Peninsula, and it is an area of great scientific interest, but it's a small portion, and I've only been going there for less than 20 years, and the big stories that we're asking about climate go over not just decades, but millennia. Right. So we really need to listen to the scientists and what they're finding out and understand that the scientific community is, by its nature, objective and conservative. So right. when they report data, they're pretty sure it's this or, or more. It's been fascinating to have some relationships with scientists like Paul Maevsky, who runs the Maine Climate Institute and started the Greenland Ice Sheet Project, and just kind of keep up with him. He actually rewrote his book as an adventure story so that it would be more appealing to other people and so that uh, it would get some of this information out in a different way. Um, every two to five years, <laughs> they revise the models, and things are just moving faster and faster, like what's going on with the ocean right now and the sea ice in Antarctica. We've just hit uh, five years of record lows. Every year has broken the previous year's record, which broke all previous years for sea ice. And there was actually an interesting article in The Guardian recently that said, you know, there's still kind of a, a mystery here. It's not just global warming. Something else is going on in that system as well. So there's a mystery there. It's fascinating. My point there was I think it's important to listen to the scientists and to track the data don't listen to the politicians. Right. Let's be careful about our own subjective opinions. What I saw could have been seasonal variation or for that particular region. But when I got back from the last voyage and The Guardian published that this was indeed the record-breaking year, um, it confirmed kind of disquieting quality that I had going through the Antarctic Peninsula and seeing less sea ice than I'd ever seen before of going to all the different glaciers we'd visited over 18 years, and every single one of them had moved back. It felt like they had, their chests had kind of sunk in. There, were, there, was, there was something missing, and it was eerie to have that experience. So, yeah, I can say that I've seen those kinds of changes, but I would say it's a much larger conversation that needs to be told by a bigger community with a lot of data. Amen. Listen to the scientists. John Paul Capanegro. I actually found uh, a recording of your poem, Talking with Elliot Porter. 
Uh, there you go. Drifting Sands of July 2022. I'm going to play it now. I'm Gianna Volpe. That was John Paul Caponegro. And so is this, alexfrohngallery.com. For more about the Glacial Exhibition showing through August 15th, johnpaulcaponegro.com. For more from John Paul, I'm Gianna Volpe. That was the Monday Meditation underwritten by Guild Hall. And you, whoever you are out there, you're awesome, and you're listening to Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM. With Elliot Porter. I'm surprised to find your book, Antarctica, in the stern, where the library rests, next to Shackleton's. It's time for one more conversation. Remember, after your heart surgery, when I said, Your generation is extraordinary to have seen so much change in a single lifetime. Two world wars, personal computers, genetic engineering, and men on the moon. You smiled and said, You'll see more. There was that moment when, after discussing the great issues of our times, desertification, they call it climate change now, and overpopulation, we've doubled our numbers since then and we'll do it again in my child's lifetime. You predicted your generation will be the one that determines whether we pass on a habitable environment for the future or not. How are we doing now? Generations hope for the next and another. So we come and go. But let's talk about this place, Antarctica, the bottom of the world, the remotest, highest, driest, windiest desert, with the whitest whites and the bluest blues, its core of silence encircled by rings of aquatic life. Many times you showed me your photographs, becoming uncharacteristically at a loss for words and even breath, because you were so articulate. I didn't understand. Now, as I turn through your pages, looking at you, no longer looking at me, I find myself in that same state. My words keep flowing uncontrollably in fits interrupted by echoing silences before swelling again in waves of sound, anticipating another loss. You tried, but ultimately couldn't tell me How beautiful this end of the world is. And now I know how that feels. How lucky to be here, however briefly. We all hope for more. Life is exquisitely brief. Living through others.
Skeeter Davis, end of the world. We're going to have uh, Elizabeth Ziff of the Betty Band join us in just a few minutes um, since she or they are going to be playing at the Talk House tonight, stephentalkhouse.com for more information there. Uh, I'm Gianna Volpe. Let's play a little Calexico. End of the world with you on WLIWFM. Mexico, end of the world with you from the thread that keeps us record of 2017 after my favorite end of the world track by Skeeter Davis. Welcoming on Elizabeth Ziff. It has been, we've been trying to connect since Friday. I am so (laughs) sorry. I am so excited for you guys to be playing tonight at the Talk House. Lynn Blue Band opening for you tonight. What time did things get started? 7.30, um, Lynn Blue Band goes on, and then Betty comes on around 8.15, 8.30. It's going to be a great night. So excited to play with Lynn. And Betty hasn't been 
out in um, Amagansett in years. Oh so gosh. it's really fun to be here. We have a new record coming out, and we've been um, we just been really excited to be here. It's it's so beautiful too. It's so beautiful today. So we have a lot of friends out here, and we hope everybody comes out to Stephen Talkhouse tonight. So tell us about the last time you were in the area. Gosh, the last time we played here was. Austin, when was the last time we played out here? Probably been. Oh, it was def, definitely pre-pandemic. Ah, the before So now times. we're all. Yeah. So now we're all just a little, little bit crazier. <laughs> um, but we're really happy to be here. So I'm stuck. I'm stoked, and we love Stephen's Talkhouse. Can you talk? And we love Lynn Blue Band. Yes, we do. We do love Lynn. So can you talk about uh, your relationship with Lynn? How you met her? Gosh, um, we met Lynn. It's got to be at least. At least 25 years ago, mm-hmm. um, we met her through Eve Ensler, who's now called V, um, at her house, and uh, we just were sitting next to her, and we just became really good friends right away. She's always been so generous and helpful, and she's just a beautiful soul. Yes, we love her. Yes, she is. Yes, she Right now, she's getting uh, what the world needs now, uh, because the, the zip file is not opening that's so weird that it's not know. opening. I know. Huh. Do you want me to try it again? I'll do it. Um, I will yeah, do it try right it. Now. I mean, it's just, it's it's usually it's, not like that. But yeah, it's um, saying invalid value for registry, which is fun. It says Windows I'll cannot, oh, cannot complete the extraction, the destination. We have a whole team cannot. working on it right now. Allison's working on it, too. Allison, who's in the band, and Amy, my sister. Do I what? I do have it on the phone. Um Allison's sending Allison it. is sending it. How, I, I, I don't know. Hold on. It's all right. Well, let's talk about let's talk about your sister and let's talk about the band itself and how okay. you guys came together in the first place. How we came together? Yes. I'm going to give you Allison Palmer for that. Okie dokie. Hi there. Allison, are you sending the file and doing an interview at the same time? I'm amazing that I, way. I love you. <laughs> I com- this well, I, it's I part completely of being- understand. Well, you know what? Being part of an indie band means that you do you do, do everything yourselves. Right. And we've been together, as Elizabeth said, for 38 years. So we've been doing all of this for a very, very long time. And it's, it's really great to have that as part of our message when we go on stage is that, like, you know what? All these long-term relationships that we have in life, they can be difficult. They can be trying, but they can be ultimately really rewarding. Yes. So how you work your way through to do that is a really, really yeah. great thing to do. It's so true. And I am totally... Uh... In, what is it? What are they? Uh, in in sim- simpatico with, oh, the, right. with the many armed goddesses of the world. Yes, and indeed. Very much appreciative of uh, of you. Can you talk about uh, the uh, the beginnings of Betty? Well, you know what's really interesting is that Amy and Elizabeth, who are the other two uh, legs of the three legged stool, are sisters. So, of course, they've known each other since forever. And I was in a band in college, and I was tired of the band. And I came home one day and put on the radio just to sort of, you know, hear what was going on in the world. And just when I turned it on, there was an ad on WHFS radio, which, P.S., is why we love radio so much. There was an ad on WHFS radio in Washington, D.C., saying, all-girl punk band looking for a bass player call this number in the days when you could actually have your name and number on the phone and, and I mean on the radio and it was okay so I called I went over to an audition and it went really well I came back the very next night for sort of like I guess a callback and the next thing you know and the next thing you know we were best friends I helped them move like two days later, and I literally never left. And that was 38 years ago. It was amazing. But it's like you say about being simpatico. You know when you meet your group, when you meet your, your, tribe, your yeah. people. Yes. You know what I mean? You know. You, and that, that's exactly what happened here, as if we knew each other in a past life. And even though we're all different, they're Jewish, I'm black. You know, we, we come from different um, uh, backgrounds. Still, there was enough similar in our three backgrounds that made it so it, we just clicked and, and it gelled and we've had a, a really amazing ride since then. And I'm so excited that we get to bring our ride tonight back to Stephen Talkhouse because it's, it's got to be uh, at least 10 years since we played there. And I just, I love the venue and I love it out here. It's a gorgeous day. So I'm hoping everybody comes down and here's us and Lynn Blue tonight because it's going to be a lot of fun. All right. So this is going to be really special. You guys are actually going to sing what the world needs now for us live. Don't worry, uh, Elizabeth. It's going to sound, it's going to be so special. 
It's going to be very special. Because it's a cappella. It is a cappella, and we're actually going to, so people know, we're going to the bathroom, so you get the best possible oh, reverb. Oh, nice! That's right. We're doing this very, like, DIY. Come on, Amy. Amy is a, our third member. She's much slower than I Elizabeth and I are. So before, before we hear it, uh, can I talk to Amy for a second? Sure. Amy, she wants to talk to you for a second. Okay. Uh, she just made it into the room. Here you go. Hello, Here's Amy. Miss Amy. Hello. Hello. I want to go all the way back to when you and Elizabeth were kids and hear about uh, the first time you guys began singing together. Well, I was living in, I had just graduated from college and I was um, in New York, actually in the Hamptons. And I came home uh, and Elizabeth wasn't feeling great. So I was trying to chipper her up and started singing and she started singing with me. And then I realized that maybe we should stick around and sing together. And we started a band. Do you remember what you sang when you were trying to uh, cheer her up? When I was trying to cheer her up, I think I was just, uh, had, I, had I written a song already? I, I'm not sure. I think, uh, I think maybe it was just something from our childhood or something that we used to sing in harmony. So that's what happened. And then, um, then we decided that we were going to, maybe, yeah, Mama, <laughs> Rainbow or something like that, or, or Windy or something like that. And um, then, you know, that we used to sing in the car and, and harmonize too. And then we decided that we were going to start a band and we got on the radio. I got I got on the radio and actually start uh, advertised for a bass player. And, I just played the whole story. Oh, you did? Okay. Uh, okay. All right. Do you do no, you still want to? Keep, we're, fighting over the phone. we're fighting over the phone. Yeah. Do you want oh. to talk to Elizabeth again, or do you, you want to ask me another can, question? You can both. You can both talk together. Put the put the phone between you guys. We both we can both talk together. Yeah. Okay. We're gonna I, phone d- in, it's which e- is very very. Um, Jonna, how does it sound in this reverb? Is this I, okay? I actually <laughs> I'm really loving it. I okay. no speakerphone <laughs> is like one of my Bad like friend. implicit instructions against, but this is a completely different scenario, and this is like why I love live radio. This is like, this is one of my happy moments here. I'm very excited about this. Good. Elizabeth, I, I know I know that you wanted to to have um, the track, but it wasn't it wasn't entirely mastered yet, right? Because it's from the new album? Oh, no, it's, it's actually being mastered right now, and it's, um, it's going to come out. If people want to know about it uh, and get the record, they can go to our website, which is hellobetty.com, um, and that's... Uh, that's, you know, that's the way that they can get all of our socials and all that stuff. But um, we're going to we're gonna fly by the seat of our pants and sing it in the bathroom for I you. Am, gonna, I am so, so excited for this. We have one track that's a cappella. We recorded this album uh, partially in New York City and partially in Mexico City, which was a ball. And the producer is Jason Carmer. And it's, it's really harkens back to our early beginning days in the 80s. So it's a very cool-sounding vocal 80s sounding record and we're very excited about it so um and tell people they can go on instagram right now because i'm taking a picture of this so they can visualize <laughs> in the sitting in the bathroom what what's your what's your insta handle um betty rules like b-e-t-t-y-r-u-l-e-s by the way you sound a lot like lynn are you the same person are you we, sister no <laughs> no sister from another mister for sure go. so All would you right. like to sing? oh please do Okay, here we go. Ready? Um, okay, I was posting the picture. So does anyone want That's to okay, post? just go ahead. Okay. Uh, what the world needs now. 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 Is love. Is the only thing that this journey needs. What the world needs now. Is love. Love. No, that don't come. Just for But for everyone, 
need another meadow. There are cornfields and wheat fields enough to grow. There are sunbeams and moonbeams enough to shine, enough to last, you know. No, 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 no. Coming to Stephen Talk House tonight. They're all warmed up and ready for you. That is the end of the world edition here on The Heart on Long Island's only NPR radio station, WLIWFM.